1: Welcome back, everybody, episode 188 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I am your host, Sinan Shwarding, live from New York City, where the summer is apparently back, even though uh, it's supposed to be going away, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, typically with the end of summer comes great football. Uh, and specifically, the beginning of the Champions League. Uh, and of course, that's what we're here to talk about. Because of course, this season, we get to talk about it up close and personal. Besiktas in the Champions League, as we're all aware of. The first match was, of course, a huge one against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, aside the ton of success in Europe, historically, uh, and who we were all afraid of as probably the toughest team in our group, Uh, Of course, we're coming up against them at home at the Vodafone Park, Uh, but still, it would be the biggest challenge we've faced in a long time, you could probably say, the best side we've we've faced in a few years. So, um, just to quickly review them, they are coming off a sort of topsy-turvy season. Uh, They've lost to to Bayern Munich already, 1-3. They lost to VFL Bochum, 2-1 as well. I'm on the road there. Uh, but then they beat TSG Hoffenheim three to two. They beat Leverkusen three to four on the road in a huge, in a sort of crazy, windy match that saw them victorious. And then of course they would come up against us. Uh, and so yeah, is in effect, in effect. As of right now. let's talk about it, I suppose, shall we? Uh, let's dig into the lineups to begin with. So of course in goal would be Ersin Destanolu. Uh, on our back line, you would see wellington and Francisco Montero, who was in for Doma Vida, the injured Doma Gojvide. um And Sakala on the left side of our defense, with Valentin Rosier on the right side, Joseph D'Souza in the back of our midfield, with Miralem Pjanic and Atiba Hutchinson up ahead of him. Atiba in because, of course, Alex Teixeira was also. Injured uh, for a little bit less time than Vida, so he could be back uh, soon, hopefully. Um, Kyle Larin would start on the left side. Um, Georges Kevan and Kudu was injured. For anyone unaware, uh, and Rashid Ghazal on the right side of our attack with Mishi Batshuayi up front. So no real surprises there, except for of course the guys out with injury and whatnot. Uh, and let's do Dortmund's lineup as well. Uh, Gregor Kobel, the Swiss Swiss keeper, <coughs> uh, would be their starter. Uh, Mats Hummels and Manuel Akanji, another Swiss player, uh, would be in another, on their back line. Thomas Mounier, well known Belgian right back. And Rafael Guerrero, uh, Portuguese left back. Julian Brandt in the back of their midfield, which is a little weird. I, I didn't even know that that's where he played. Jude Bellingham, um, Mahmoud Dahoud uh, in, the, in the sort of core of their midfielder, with Marco Reus uh, up ahead of them. 32 years old now, I didn't realize he was all the way up there in age now. Uh, Daniel Malin, 22 year old, would play up front with Erling Haaland. Um, and so, yeah, you know, an interesting lineup, lots of familiar names, scary stuff, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, you know, Marco Rose, their ki- their coach, you know, chose not to play Axel Witzel, you know, uh, Pongracic had, had been starting uh, up until this match, Mats Hummels came in, uh, he'd been injured, so perhaps they took a slight risk in that regard, but I guess, you know, with Mats Hummels, you know what you're getting, an old pro, if you will. But, so, yeah, that would be the lineups going into the match, and I suppose... We got to talk about what happened in the match itself real quickly. The match would start, a lively match, right out of the gates, and Besiktas was ready to go, it seemed. You know, I think a lot of us were afraid of of what we might see, and our our fears were allayed initially. Besiktas came out with a really solid initial 20 minutes. I guess let's go with 19, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, It was probably capped that great run of ours, in the fifth minute, um, Miralem Pjanic sent in a, a ball from deep, but just perfectly placed to Nishi Shouai, who, who lashed on the other end of it really well, um, directed it towards goal with a lot of power and good placement, and uh, Gregor Kobel did really well to save it, and so yeah, right out of the gates, it's a, a surprise, I think, and, and Dortmund, you know, probably a little bit scared at this point, initially, uh, but so, that would be the only real opportunity we'd produce in that initial sort of scrum. But we, we were the dominant side coming out of the gate until the 19th minute. Just like I mentioned Miralem Pjanic did not much earlier, Mahmoud Daoud would um, send in just a, a lovely uh, long ball to Thomas Mounier, who would take a couple touches and sort of dink it up over Nsakala. Not much Nsakala could have done there, I didn't think, but uh, it drops really perfectly to Jude Bellingham, um, who unfortunately Atiba Hutchinson had lost uh, in coverage uh, and Atiba couldn't quite uh, catch up once Jude Bellingham had gained possession and slowed down a little. uh, So the tackle was a little bit weak on the back end, Ball sort of trickles through. Not a lot Ericsson could have done, perhaps. He could have made a save there, but I think if you really consider this, this was Dorman's first real run of play at our, at our goal, Real first real scare. So perhaps we were caught a bit on our back foot. We had, as I mentioned, been the dominant side up to this point. Um, and as, as soon as that goal was scored, the tides, the tides would turn. Things would, would go from bad to worse, basically. Uh, Daniel Malin would um, Keep possession of a ball that Valentin Lozier would dive for and miss somehow because it would sort of bounce up off of Wellington Wellington would sort of struggle to recover giving Malin the chance to slide it in very casually to, to Erling Haaland Who luckily would miss uh, in part thanks to pretty solid positional defending from Francisco Montero uh, And he would sky it just a minute later, Atiba would give the ball away really sloppily, um, Marco Reus would, would gain possession, send on a really nice ball to Erling Haaland, who would um, find Julian Brandt, who would dink it back for Mario Marco Reus perfectly, um, sort of stop on a dime and kind of backheel it to Marco Reus, who would take a nice shot, but Erson, the really solid save, uh, keeping us alive here. Uh, and that would be pretty important, I think. Most of us would feel like we, you know, even still at this point, they've clearly sort of grabbed the initiative. Three chances uh, in quick succession. But still, we're only down 1-0. Uh, we had much of the, the dominance in the game to that point. So we, we have to, I think we felt like we could have rested it back, perhaps, you know. Um, 42nd minute, a yellow for Wellington. 44th minute a yellow from Montero because they're pressing out at this point. It's starting to get a little scary um, But in the 47th minute then finally a throw-in We always get screwed on these throw-ins. So. But yeah, throw-in uh, would drop to Jude Bellingham who would uh, Make sort of a mockery of our defense again. This was happening a lot along the sort of right side of our defensive area um, Wellington was I don't know, swinging and missing quite a bit, unfortunately. And this would be an example of it. Jude Bellingham, you know, he couldn't even really get a tackle on him somehow. And in his defense, a number of guys were coming up short there. We were looking flustered, to be honest. A little bit shaken. Uh, But so Jude Bellingham Bellingham would slide on Erling Haaland for an easy goal. 2-0 right before the half. Again, 47th minute. So it's just unfortunate. You know, not what you want to see at all. Uh, and so there it is, two goals let in, two yellow cards as well, late in the half. It looks like things are unraveling by that by this point. But luckily we'd go into the half, just as you'd hoped for. I think we would have hoped to have gone in 1-0 uh, down instead, but obviously we couldn't quite hold out. Uh, at the half, Axel Witzel would come in for Julian Brandt. Um, certainly more natural in that position. For we to criticize, right? They they sort of handily um, took a uh, took that two 0 lead, regardless. Fifty um, third minute, Thomas Mounier with a yellow card, um, really happy. nasty kick into Fabrice Nsakala's stomach. So uh, yeah, he did well to give us a, a corner kick there, or not a corner kick, sorry, a free kick uh, in that corner, basically on the left side. Nothing would come of it. 60th minute, our first sub of the match, Kenan Karaman would come in for Kyle Lahren. Not a lot of crazy action to this point. So like, it seems like we've come out and cooled things down a little bit. But then right right about after that sub would come in, they would get their first chance of the half. Uh, Erling Haaland would um, find Jude Bellingham in, in a sort of quick counter. Bellingham with a shot low, and Erson coming up with another big save. I uh, love to see it. Uh, and then on the ensuing sort of play, uh, on, on our attack, Rashid Ghazal would slide Bachuayan perfectly, uh, but he sort of hesitates, goes a little far to, to the right, a little too far to the right rather. Um, so a little too hesitant on it, can't get a shot off, and Kobol gets down and dirty, uh, prevents. The chance from becoming anything could have been a goal right there, honestly. That's two for the batsman, Uh, but he's getting into positions in his defense, Uh, getting on the other end of long balls and stuff on the ground in the air. Uh, Eventually, those are going to go in, right? And as we saw in the previous match, so whatever. Um, Finally, they made their first subs in the 68th, 69th, 70th minute. Uh, Marius Wolf would enter the game for Jude Bellingham. Marin Pongracic for Mats Hummels. Like I mentioned uh, earlier, it's his first appearance of the season for them, so probably taking it easy. Uh, Yusufa Mokoko would enter the match for Doniel Malin as well. And then the next sort of bit of play, uh, Atiba got himself a yellow card in the 76th minute. Um, right after Mokoko had slid Erling Haaland, all, uh, Haaland on, really nicely, uh, and he forced another save from Ersin, which then resulted in a scrum, finally resulting in a handball, um, sort of cooling the pressure on us. Uh, So yeah, they were putting it on us a bit, a couple chances, but it was like two to one, I suppose, in the second half as far as big chances up to that point. Um, So yeah, then Atiba got the yellow, You get taken out of the match for Sali Uchan. Perhaps not a big shocker there. Uh, Mokoko getting a yellow card for them in the 79th minute, and then uh, another sub for them. Ansgar Knauf entering the match for Erling Haaland. Uh, then Gokantore Tore entering the match for Rashid Ghazal. Um, maybe fatigue, you know, trying to bring in a little energy off the bench in the attack. Uh, we all know that. Gokantore is a sort of wild card. You can always come in and, and cause a little trouble for the opposition. You never quite know what you're going to get. Uh, in the 89th minute, Thomas Munier would just be allowed to wander through our defense for some reason. Uh, get a shot off, but again, Ersen was another big save. And I, ha- I have to say, his reflexes as far as um, getting down, digging down, and, and making those saves on low shots was really on display in this match. Uh, again, another one for him there. 91st minute, this was a little bit nasty. So Marius Wolf allowed space, just uh, a cross that just dribbled through the entire defense somehow, across the bar, across the whole box, finding Mok- oh, no, sorry, Ansgar Knauf. And Knauf would slam it up against the crossbar in what could easily have been their third goal, but a scaring us, obviously. And we responded well. Um, in the 93rd minute, just two minutes later, on a free kick, which we earned well. Um, Pjanic would center the ball in perfectly, which he does, obviously. Finding Francisco Montero who would slam it, you know, across the box uh, high into the goal with just power and authority. Really uh, capping off a pretty solid defensive output from him as far as, as I said on another podcast, positioning himself between Erling Haaland and the goal fairly consistently. Um, keeping Haaland relatively quiet, just one goal. Um, like I said, though, they had a lot of chances, despite that, um, certainly some good ones, and, you know, Clutch Ersin, keeping, did the trick for the most part, one, one time the crossbar may have saved us, perhaps, late in the game, but then we'd committed to attacking, obviously, trying to get something out of the match, so, you can forgive that to some extent, too, some of the late opportunities that were given to them, but at the end of the day, that would be it, um... Francisco Montero's goal being the, the last action in the match. We would sort of try to push for something late. Not much would come of it. Final score, 1-2. to two. And our first match back in the Champions League in a long time. And our first loss. But a spirited one, nonetheless. Um, before I hand the, 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 the mic over to Khan. And our, this week's hashtag Khan's Corner. I'll go over some, some loose stats just to wet your appetite for them, because this is actually quite interesting. Besiktas had 58% of the of the ball to their 42. Um, XG 3.08 for Dortmund, 1.24 for Besiktas. So um, could have been worse for us, perhaps, based on XG. Um, but So yeah, total shots, they had 14 to our 12. On target, though, they had 7 t- or 3, so that was perhaps the main difference between the two sides was the efficiency in attack. Uh, and obviously, they had more kind of uh, scary chances, obviously, in mm-hmm. the end. But anyway, before I dig into some sort of more in-depth stats, and I will do that after Khan's corner, uh, let me hand the mic over to our guy. Khan Bayazet, everyone.
0: Yesterday was our long-awaited return to the UEFA Champions League for the first time since the 2018 2017-2018 uh, season. Bishtesh returned to the group stages of this tournament. And um, I think we all were very happy, I guess, with the draw, relatively happy. Um, it, it was, you know, we avoided the really, really top elite clubs in Europe. <clears throat> Although um, I actually think that we might have been better off with drawing Barcelona than Borussia Dortmund, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, this was uh, the first test, our, our biggest test since 2018, when we last played a real, pivotal, big team in Europe, which, of course, was Bayern München.
1: <clears throat>
0: and that was at a point in... in Our recent history where we were uh, playing at a very high level with a very good team um, and all that. And uh, yeah, for me, going into this match, I had a lot of question marks. Like in the league so far, you know, we've played four games. We've won three, drawn one. Um, In our last game especially, we looked very dominant. We looked very good. Um, we won the league last season, we kept together most of the team, but still, despite that fact that we kept together so much of the team, <clears throat> despite that, I still went into this match with a lot of question marks. I, I, I personally didn't know what to expect from this game. How good would we be? How would our team hold up against Europe's elite And I do count Dortmund among among those. Like, Dortmund aren't the absolute upper echelon. They aren't Chelsea, Liverpool. They aren't Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain. Although, um, I think they aren't those teams. And probably when Dortmund would play one-on-one with those teams, they may... They'll probably go out. But I think Dortmund... Not counting Manchester City because those guys are ruthless, but like Paris Saint-Germain, for example, I think right now, as Besiktas, you'd probably rather play PSG than you would play Dortmund. Like Dortmund is always a young, exciting team, plays ex- attacking football. They are, you know, the the creators of the gig and piss. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, Dortmund. I, I was I was very afraid of this match, to be quite honest. Um, <clears throat> I also think it's unfortunate that we o- had to open at home against Dortmund. It's a shame because it, it immediately blows that trump card of we still have that home game in hand, right? So that's a, that's unfortunate, but I have to be quite honest, while I didn't really know what to expect, and with that it was mainly um, I didn't know to, what to expect of how good we'd be, but I did go into this match fully expecting that we would probably lose and uh the opening 15 minutes 20 minutes were really surprising for me Uh, I was very impressed with how we handled Dortmund in the early going um we were by far the better team in the opening 15 to 20 minutes. But also what you'll get is with these teams when, you know, for example, I live in Belgium. Whenever a Belgian team plays a Turkish team, they'll always talk about, we have to survive those first 15 minutes because the reputation of playing away in Turkey is that, that the first 15, 20 minutes, it's, it's survive. If you get through those first minutes, those first 15, 20 minutes, then then is when you strike, and it's like textbook Dortmund. What what they did basically, Dortmund just seemed to follow that, like survive the first 15 minutes, and after that hit them and uh, and and rattle them a little bit. And that's exactly what they did. And unfortunately for me, uh, my uh and stream uh, started uh, messing up at that point, so I actually missed the goal. So I uh, I tuned out at around 18 minutes in. and we were playing really well, and then when I got the feedback, it was one nil. I was like, what the seriously we were doing so well and then it was like ah damn it you know and then um i had to find an alternative stream for a while uh and i watched without sound for a bit which was really annoying and in the second half fortunately i I managed to restore everything and then watch full um, hd quality and all that again um but you know, after the first twenty minutes or so that I, I was able to watch the first eighteen minutes, I felt we were really good. But then afterwards, um, we still had most of the ball and stuff. But you could see that Dortmund was, you know, that's when once they had that lead, you knew it's only a matter of time at this point because they're going to hit us on the break. And I think um, I think our defenders did really well in containing Erling Haaland. Uh, throughout the game, but at the same time, the fact that Haaland pulled so much attention away from his teammates allowed for other uh, other players like like Bellingham, for example, to to, to infiltrate and to cause us problems. <clears throat> and um, that's, that's what happened at the one 0 And and uh, it's, it's it's very unfortunate that we concede in at a time on a corner. That was very unfortunate. Uh, that said, to me, this this I know if you look at Dortmund's trajectory this season, like they they always concede, so you know they are a team that's used to conceding goals. And with the big chance that Michi had in the first minutes, in the first ten minutes or so, uh, I, I by the way I think he did brilliantly. He was a fantastic uh, control of the ball, good cut to cut out the defender, and then a, a good shot. and it was just a really, really good save. Um, It wasn't a perfect shot, obviously, but it was like he did everything right. Like, Bacuay did everything right there, and it's very unfortunate that he didn't score. Fantastic save by the Dortmund goalie. I have to give him props for that. Um, But even if we had taken the lead there, I think Dortmund is a team that, unlike us, unfortunately doesn't get rattled when they concede a goal. Now, obviously, you know, it's different when you're playing in in, in your own domestic league and concede. uh, You know, for us in in Turkey, it probably wouldn't rattle us all that much. But in the Champions League, when you're playing against the group's favorite like Dortmund, you could see it had an impact on the players. Um, So, yeah, that definitely impacted the morale a bit. And for the second half of the first half, we... uh, yeah we we didn't really manage to restore order um and then we conceded at a very poor time that was unfortunate for us uh on top of that uh i I really did feel like we were kind of playing with nine man almost uh laren was clearly not fit I, i mean i hope he wasn't fit either he wasn't fit or this is just a step too high for him um but you know with the with uh, with the international break he went out for Canada he missed a, uh, he only played 2 of the 3 games because he was injured for the third game so you know it was touch and go to see if he'd be getting ready for this game and uh you know if Nkuru was fit like Laurent would not have started um so it was already Laurent starting because Nkuru wasn't fit so we're kind of in a bad situation there with with Nkuru's injury with Laurent just just returning from injury with Vida's injury, we were in a bad spot there, uh, and and Alex Tixieras' injury, of course. <clears throat> so we were already in a bad position in that regard. Like Sergen didn't have his full squad to choose from. Um, f- friends of mine are saying, well, I think you know, if we had our full squad, we might have gotten something from this match. And I I I honestly I don't really know. I I do think in the first half that we were definitely with Lara not not being 100% a man down in that regard. Like, I don't think he did any... Like, he had one action that was a little bit dangerous, I guess. Um, but apart from that, he contributed very little to the attack. Um, and Atiba was was very very poor in the first half. Uh, lots of... Well, not just lots. Like There was, like, just two or three moments, but, like, two or three moments where he just... Relatively easy passes just gave them away super sloppily um and and those are things that you can't do at this level but then on the other end of the spectrum you have immediately these reactions on twitter and on social media where you're like oh you know atiba can't handle this level anymore blah 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 it's it's so tiring guys one game um yeah against byron he couldn't he couldn't that wasn't you know that was that was a step up too high as well for him um But in the preceding six group stage games, he was great, you know. Like, Bayern München is is one of the three best teams in Europe. Dortmund is one of the ten best teams in Europe, maybe. Like, not being able to handle that level, that doesn't mean you're not a Champions League level. Well, I mean, it depends on what you consider to be Champions League level player. Like playing against monaco playing against porto against sporting against ajax with all due respect these are great teams and I, I, and I, i'm sure ajax will <laughs> i mean judging by their result in in lisbon they will they will be a very tough nut to crack but i do still see dortmund as a level above that like and we just have to be realistic like we aren't on the level of a dortmund like on a good day We can beat Dortmund if we're lucky. If that chance of Batshuayi goes in, you know, if we just are a little bit sharper in defense, like you can beat these teams, but it's not a given, and like you have to be perfect almost. Like they, we just have to accept that these are higher quality teams. They have much higher budgets. They can get much better players than we can. So you know, like I think if if you ask Dortmund. Their coach to pick one player from Besiktas apart from Pjanic, I, I from the te- team that played with all the respect. I love all these guys, like I think Bachwa is great, I, I think they're all great players, but I, I don't think he would change any of his players for any of ours, you know. Quite frankly, maybe Pjanic, but even Pjanic, because of his age, maybe he wouldn't. Anyway, uh, second half, um, we were better, we had chances. Uh, Batsman again, uh, had a good opportunity one on one with the goalkeeper. Uh, we had a bunch of half chances that we created, but we also have to give props uh, to Dortmund because they created stuff on the counter and they could have easily scored a third easily. Um, I think we definitely deserved a goal, though, and we got it in the end. Uh, and what that makes the match seem closer than it really was. Um, but ultimately, Dortmund were by far the the the, the rightful winners. Um, they played good football. They had a good game plan. And congratulations to them. But I don't think we, as Bishtech fans, uh, need to be overly critical of the team because I think the boys, the guys gave everything. Um, The fact that that goal rattled them, well, you know, that's football, that's normal. Uh, It is a blow. Um, So, yeah, I think they played a decent game. I'm very happy with Ersin's performance. Um, I, I hear he. Could have maybe done a little bit better on the first goal. But, I mean, apart from that, he did really, really well. He had a couple of great saves. And uh, I think he showcased himself. And that's what we want, right? We want Essen to showcase himself. Um, Let's hope he does that for five more games. And maybe even does better. Um, But ultimately, you know, Dortmund... I didn't count any points for this. If you would have asked me beforehand, I would have fully expected us to lose. I, I think against Dortmund, getting a point... Getting one point against Dortmund would have been an accomplishment in total in both games. Um, But realistically, I think if you lose twice against Dortmund, that is not the end of the world. Uh, The points, uh, we were always going to have to get the points against Sporting and hopefully against Ajax. Like those are our main competitors. And judging by uh, how easily Ajax uh, humiliated Sporting in Portugal i think uh, our main competitor is going to be sporting quite frankly because ajax it's difficult to gauge how good they are right now i don't think they're as good as they were in the past years um but in the champions league apparently they're able to turn it up a notch i've I had the impression that in in the dutch league in the air they there they're maybe a little complacent after winning the league for the past couple of years and not really changing much in terms of you know have still having the same coach and I mean don't have to change coach you know so Alex Ferguson Wing there. you could go for twenty years with the same guy of course but you know I don't know maybe a little bit stagnation there it's what the impression I have but then in the in the Champions League you seem to be able to turn things up um, their new guy. I'm uh, what's his name angelico i forgot it but like the new brazilian guy they bought big uh, transfer this season he was apparently really good uh and then of course halle scored four goals but the main guy uh yeah the the, the main guy is that i forget his name but you know he's gonna be uh he's gonna be the big threat for us uh yeah i is up next and unfortunately wellington got injured yesterday so Uh, And Vida probably won't be back, so there's a very distinct possibility that we'll have to play with Nejip and Montero in two weeks against Ajax. God forbid none of those get injured. Um, So we are in a bad spot right now in terms of injuries. Um, Yeah. So Ajax away is the next one, and they won 5-1 away against Sporting, which is, I guess, a good thing for us for the goal differential um, versus Sporting at least um but of course not versus ajax um yeah i, I really don't know what to expect i think we d- I, I definitely think dortmund is a, is a level above both sporting and ajax um but ajax is a great team sporting is a great team it's gonna be difficult and yeah we are we're going to have to try and get four points against one of these two and the way the the deck is stacked right now it'll have to be against Sporting to get uh, that that ticket for uh, the Europa League. But it's going to be difficult. Um, I just hope that we get some points in this group, that we again show... if I think if we can show what we did yesterday for a bit longer, <laughs> like more than 15 or 20 minutes, um, and if we are a little bit more concentrated, don't concede any sloppy goals, I, I don't think we can get points in this group. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, um, we can get a good result against Ajax. Hopefully, we can get a point or something in Amsterdam. That would be fantastic. Uh, Just hopefully, no back-to-back losses. That would be unfortunate. But that is a very distinct possibility, given uh, the scheduling we have. And then afterwards, we have Sporting at Home. And that's a must-win match. Regardless of what happens in Amsterdam, Sporting at Home is a must-win match. If we want to continue past winter in Europe, if we want to go... To, at the bare minimum to, to the Europa League, then we'll have to beat Sporting at home. So uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be very important. The next month is going to be very important for our Champions League ambitions or for our European ambitions, I would say. I do personally think that, you know, like I, I, would, I would rather go to the Europa League than go to the next round in the Champions League. Because if we go to the next round in the Champions League, we're just going to end up getting... Like, knocked out anyway. Like, we're going to draw Bayern München or we're going to draw uh, Real Madrid or whatever. And we're going to get knocked out. In the Europa League, we actually have a shot at going far. So, I would much rather go to the Europa League, quite frankly. That's just for me personally. Of course, from a financial perspective, um, it's not worth it. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, going through in the Champions League is a lot more money. So... From that perspective, it's it's more interesting. But I would like to go to the Europa League and maybe have a shot at uh, going to the quarters or going to the semis again. That would be good. Um, but of course, you know, only one match played so far. There's still so much to play for. And uh, we definitely showed a lot of good stuff yesterday. I think Pjanic was was great. Uh, Ersin had a good game. Montero had a good game. Wellington had a good game. Uh, Rosia was okay. Nsakala was okay. Uh, I, I see a lot of criticism on Ghazal, but I thought Ghazal was pretty good. Um, yeah, he lost the ball a couple of times, but he was he was okay. I don't think he was that bad. Um, Pjanic was great, like I said. I really like Bacuay. Yeah, he missed two really good chances, but that first chance, he basically created that for himself. Um, and the second chance, you know, I mean, Dortmund have a good goalie. Like, he made two really good saves. Um, I was happy with Bacuay. I liked what I saw from him, and then Kanon came in, did well. Sali came in, did well. The only thing I hated about Sali is he came in, he did well, and then at like five minutes in or something, he he goes down easy, and he expects the ref to to, to call a foul in his favor, and Lahoz doesn't, um, and he just stands up and he looks at the referee, and he just he, he doesn't chase the ball, and Dortmund almost like I mean, it's not like they. It wasn't like a oh, 100% chance or anything that resulted from it, but it was dangerous. And he just stood there looking at the ref and being like, hey, what the, why didn't you blow your whistle? Like, no fucking hell, chase the ball, you idiots. That pissed me off so much. Like, I really liked how he came in and immediately started like distributing the ball. And you could see that he was a lot more capable than, uh, than, than, than Atiba to to play at this le- at at this at this level at this point like i think atiba wasn't 100% you know just for the record like i do think atiba has shown in the past that he can handle this level um, but regardless i think yesterday he had a bad game he had an off day for sure uh, and i think sali came in and he didn't he was he looked good he looked sharp and uh, but then he kind of ruined it with that action it was just so stupid completely pointless like typical turkish player behavior like instead of chasing down the ball winning the ball maybe giving away a foul even or kicking it out or whatever and then complain no no just stand there while the other while the opponent is running at your goal and and, and creating danger and just and just completely be an idiot like oh, so brain dead really pissed me off but apart from that he was really good um and then yeah lauren lauren was poor Uh, And Atiba was poor like Atiba and Laron for me were the highlights in a negative way Uh, in a positive way uh, definitely Pjanic um, Definitely Ersin and even even though he missed two opportunities. I really thought Baciuai was good like I know like a lot of fans kind of oh, you know, he missed the chances So he was bad, but I I don't agree with that. Like I think if you look at his game like he did really well to keep their defenders busy he won a lot of duels he kept the ball he shielded it from the opponent he won the ball um and yeah he got himself into two scoring positions and the first one i really thought was was very much his own individual class and it's just a shame that the goalkeeper was uh, was good on the day um on another day but might have had two goals in this game but i really thought he had a good good game i wouldn't say great Because he didn't score, but he had a good game. And uh, like I said, Pjanic was great. Of course, gets another assist from the corner at the end there. But, you know, just his passing and everything. This guy is so good. Uh, Just a joy to watch him. Anyway, good game. Uh, All in all, but left with nothing. So, you know, on to the next game. Now this weekend against uh, Antalya Spor. I hope we can get the three points. Um, if we play like we did the past two matches, then we should definitely be able to get points there. We were um great our last game in the league. and I really think in, if we play at this level that we played against Dortmund, then like at at this tempo that we played against Dortmund, even though we lost, if we play at this tempo against any team in the league, we should win every game with two, with our fingers up our noses because there's not a single team in the league that can handle that tempo because this was, this was an insane tempo. There was a stat, um, that I saw on Twitter actually, that said from the last eight years from since they started recording this data, I guess this is the most amount of distance covered by a Turkish team in Europe. And it was something like 114 uh, kilometers or something. Um, Anyway, uh, lots of positive satiric away from this game. I really don't think we should be down on it. Um, that said, it would have been nice to start off with a point, at least. And uh, we don't have that. And now we have a very difficult away game in Amsterdam against Ajax. And uh, things, are, things are just going to be tough, man. This group is always going to be tough. And we're going to have to get points. Like, no ifs or buts about it. Losing against Dortmund is one thing. Um, let's. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's Ajax away, um, but if you want to go through, that's a game where you have to get a point. So let's hope uh, we can uh, we can pull it off.
1: Thank you very much, Khan. Um, yeah, very helpful. Uh, good analysis, I agree with just about everything My guy has to say, as usual um, Yeah, I, I too look forward to our match against Ajax But suspect Sporting could be the real competition for us Nonetheless, you know, obviously the big question marks now are, are, are going to be who's healthy I'm still holding out that Doma, Doma Gojvita might recover in time for the Ajax match uh, as well as Wellington, potentially. Um, supposedly, he's out for 10 days, which which will make it real close. Um, some sort of kneecap issue, but it, it sounds like it's not as serious as some are fearing. Uh, and he will be, be back relatively soon, soon. Maybe not in time for IX. Uh, again, I'm holding on hope that one of them will make it back in time for that. Although, if not, and if it's uh, Francisco Montero and Nejib, take heart, folks. My guy. Um, Uzjan, one of our Scottish twins, reminds me that uh, it was in fact Montero and Nedjir who uh, were on our back line against Fenerbahce last season in our big win against them. So, the two of them have played on the back line before together, and they've played well together. So, you know, have no fear, folks. We can always make something of, of these matches, you'd, you'd suspect. Anyway, let me wrap up the uh, the Dortmund... Stuff with statistics. Um, I mentioned that we had fifty-eight percent of the ball. Um, Twelve shots to their fourteen. Um, so they had fourteen chances created to our eleven. Six big chances to our two. We had five hundred and fifty-eight accurate passes. They had three hundred and eighty-seven. We completed our passes at an eighty-eight percent success rate. They they did so at an eighty-two percent rate. So that's. Uh, much better than our, our typical opposition will do, even if our possession number was actually not so different than this typical. We conceded nine fouls, they conceded 14, so they were physical. Um, five corners for them to our four, we were upsides once to so their nothing. So, you know, actually fairly even numbers as far as uh, who was where on the pitch and, and who was putting pressure where, at least on paper. We all know, I think, that Dortmund. Looked the better side for much much of the match. Again, seven shots off target to their six. Three shots on target to their seven. Two shots blocked by defenders for us. One shot for them. They had one shot off the woodwork. The, the late Knauf one. That should have been a goal, probably. Now um, They had 11 shots inside the box. We had nine. So, somehow, these numbers don't make things seem as bad as you might expect. Uh, in the first half, our XG was .27. And theirs was 1.61. I'm surprised we didn't get more for that Mishi Batshuayi shot that was saved. So again, I don't really trust XG. I I typically go for the eye test more. But the second half was much more even. 1.47 to them. Or 0.97. Which I guess you'd expect. Um, Let's talk about individual stats. Because I think those are typically the more interesting. Um, And I'll go with the sort of... Uh, I'll list all of the guys who were rated in the very good or, or an excellent to very good sort of seven sevens and above, right? And there's a lot of guys. Um, Jude Bellingham, highest-rated player of the match. Thomas Mounier, Erling Haaland, Mahmoud Dahoud, Francisco Montero, Mirelem Pjanic, Gregor Kobel; <clears throat> Daniel Malin, Wellington, Mats Hummels, Rafael Guerrero, Marco Reus. And that's it. So two Basiktaj players in that group of high performance guys, uh, or sorry, three rather, Montero, Pjanic, and Wellington, interestingly. Beneath there, um, as far as Basiktaj guys in the kind of good but not very not very good, you had Joseph de Souza, Valentin Rosier, and Fabrice, and Sakala, uh, as well as Laren and Batshuayi, uh, above 65 um, really like joseph and and Valentine have sort of decent numbers but it drops from there and Sakhala there and and, and batsman and Atiba don't look so impressive uh, as far as that rating goes but let's dig in a little more carefully let's look at Montero who I'm just gonna say it now my man of the match and let's look at why his sort of stats are are rated as highly as they are so obviously played the full 90. Uh, He had the goal, which is, you know, I'm sure, significant. He had 77 passes that were accurate at a 90% rate. Interesting. One shot on target, obviously. We don't have to go into too much detail there. Um, Of those 77 accurate passes, 46 were in his own half, 31 in the opposition half. So he was um, even getting forward and and being active in that regard. So 77 out of 86 passes, again, 90% rate. Ten long balls, six of them accurate. Not bad. Hundred and two touches. When you have more than a hundred touches in a match, that means that you're, you're you're omnipresent. You're everywhere. And I suppose he was. Um, he was four for four in duels. That's not ideal, but he had four clearances as well. Um, he was fouled twice, so he was you know taking knocks and and uh, making sure that they didn't get any easy chances by by careless giving the ball away or anything like that. So you know he, he was he was active. Um, any other important stats he had two interceptions nine recoveries wow nine so he came back effectively and and cleared our lines yeah a great match for Francisco Montero I'll, I'll also dig into Pjanic's stats because he was also highly rated he had an assist of course um, he had one shot it was off target 73 accurate passes at a 90% rate nice. 38 in his own half, 35 in the opposition half. Um, 81. Uh, 73 passes accurate out of 81. Again, 90%. Same as Montero. Um, five crosses. Three of them were accurate. 11 long balls. Eight of them were accurate. Four key passes. 99 touches. So again, almost up at that, hum- that 100 um, very present. He took all three corners for us. Um, he won five duels and lost five. Two out of three as far as his dribbles, so, you know, solid outing all around for sure. He even had two recoveries, <clears throat> which I suppose makes a bit of sense. Uh, but so, yeah, you know, it, pretty decent numbers from those two, not just uh, based on goals and assists. They, they were really solid in terms of passing uh, and helping us control the match, which, you know, is what kept us in it for, for you know, whether it succeeded in the end or not, you know. So, yeah, good matches from them. Great to see Montero come in and, and play well. He's he's one of our younger guys. I think it's really important to note that Ersin Destanolu and Francisco Montero had two of the better games uh, in this match. And uh, that's important because they're the two youngest guys on the pitch for us. So, you know, that's obviously really good news, I would say. Um, it's worth noting that Ersin Destanolu had five saves. So, um... You know, it's kept quite busy. Well, and he let two in, but, you know, both of them from close range, you know, shouldn't have been given such good opportunities by our defense to begin with. So, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that's it for stats. And that's it for, for Champions League match day one in the books. Let's move on, shall we? Let's talk a little bit now. Um, Before we wrap up, but our next match, we're going to be playing Antalya Spor. Antalya, uh, one should note, last season we played them in the cup most recently. uh, We beat them 2-0. Last February, we played them uh, to a draw 1-1. Remember, last season they were pretty effective defensively. Uh, And last season we did not manage to beat them. We drew them twice, both times drawing 1-1. With that said, their defense sort of fell apart through the course of the end of the season. Uh, So let's maybe hope for the best in that regard. Not that we necessarily can, right? You never know what you're going to get. It's worth, I suppose, running through their first four matches of the season. They initially, in match day one, drew Gostepe 1-1 on the road, or sorry, at home. In match day two, they played Fenner and lost 2-0 on the road. Then brought it home against Lizet, winning 3 2, their first win of the season. Uh, and then in last match day, they lost to Gaziantep Tutanil on the road. Uh, never an easy trip going to Gaziantep, I suppose you could say. Um, let's talk about their starting lineup. Their goalkeeper, a name many will recognize, Ruth Beaufin. Uh, Vaisal Sari on the back line with Naldo. Ser uh, Bunyamin Balci, I was going to say Serkan Balci, Bunyamin Balci, and Gurai Vural are their uh, defensive flanks. Andrea Poli uh, and Nuri Shahin, the center of their midfield, with Denny Milosevic kind of playing ahead of them, typically. Gokdeniz Bayraktar uh, plays on the wing for them, even though he's a striker. Paul Mukairu also playing for them quite a bit, as well as Haji Wright. Um, 23-year-old American striker who's already got three goals for them this season. Um, don't know if that's because he's actually good or not. We shall find out, I suppose. But so yeah, that is their sort of typical lineup, I guess you will. And I think that's all you really need to know. Those are their their results thus far. That's who they put out there. Um, Nuri Shaheen, perhaps the most famous name they're playing. Uh, Andrea Poli, a name many will also perhaps recognize, um... Andrea Poli is a guy who has played for Milan, of course, most famously. Also, Bologna, Sampdoria, Inter. Um, so yeah, he's he's made his rounds in uh, in Italy. But the team he played for for the, the in the most uh, was Milan, the team he's appeared for the most. So, um, Antalya, a bit of a step down from there. But I guess you could say the same for Nuri Sahin, who. Played most of his career at Dortmund and both of them are you know not spry yeah they're both in, the, uh, in their 30s Andre Poli 31 Nuri Shahin 33 so um, you know it is what it is Antalya is an interesting project sort of all-in-all all, but not that interesting <laughs> uh, we should expect to beat them they're currently in 15th place uh, after those four matches with the one win the one draw and the two losses at a negative three goal differential having scored four times and allowed seven. Um, yeah, and I think our, our guys should be hungry to get a result having not quite gotten what they needed out of the Dortmund match. Let's obviously hope for the best. Now, uh, that's all I have to say. Follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow the the dude, um, the hashtag Khans Corner dude, Khan at R-A-Z-Z R-I-A-N Rosarian and then of course follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot um check us out on Instagram Black Eagles Podcast one word uh, I've recently appeared on the um what is the name of the uh, the podcast that I've just appeared on uh I should know the name by now since I I literally just appeared on it like a couple hours ago but uh, yeah, they're called the Hopeless Wanderer podcast at Hopeless Pod. One word. Uh, I, again, another video appearance I did for them where I talk Premier League and Serie A, you know, stuff that I'm I have no business talking about. <laughs> uh, but I also talked quite a bit about, of course, the Super League and Besiktas specifically um, to give them a little bit of up, an update about what's going on in our league. Uh, I also appeared on uh, another podcast earlier in the week um, with with an American dude um, on the west coast here. Uh, That podcast is called The Late Winner Show. The Late Winner Show. Um, And that one is at Late Winner Show. One word. Uh, And that one I talked, I was previewing our groups in the Champions League and talking Besiktas specifically so yeah I've been making the rounds obviously I also appeared on our uh, friends over at the We Talk Ajax podcast and the Yellow Wall podcast uh, to, to tell our Champions League rivals about us so check me out there if you're interested of course you know that's just extra Besiktas content nothing I probably have not already said here so you know stick with me here folks that's the most important thing uh, and so, yeah, as always, we'll be back soon uh, to talk about this Antalya score match on Monday. Special co-host, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, and beyond that, I guess it's really important that I, I mention that... Uh, let's go, oh, right. Mexico! Peace out, everyone! Don't worry about this result. We'll get them next time. IX next. I mean, Antalya first. But yeah. We got these guys. Yeah, not just Anti oh oh We got, a oh I, uh, you got this! Don't worry it. Oh
0: Bishikdash International hopes you enjoyed this program.